Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Today, we're going to look at knowing Jesus, celebrating Jesus through the Jesus prayer. And you've heard us talk about that for some time, and it's always just kind of touch and go. And today, I wanted us to linger with this biblical prayer. And so we're going to look at some of the biblical background on the Jesus prayer and some of the ways to practice it. And we'll get to that in a moment. And then at the end of the service, I am going to have a number of people who speak different languages come up and actually say the Jesus prayer in the language that they speak in addition to English. And so I just, I might open that up a little bit. We have Albanian and French and Portuguese and Spanish and Chinese, and help me out here, I'm missing one. And we have Italian. Thank you. So you can be thinking, ah, I've got another language. I know we have Japanese, but I'm not sure they want to do it this morning. So you'd be thinking, if you've got another language that you speak in, we are going to have a little bit of time so we can hear at the end, because people will be saying this prayer all over the world in different languages. So this, uh, I've shared with you before, this prayer is, has been a game changer for me, and I encountered it uh, over a decade ago, and it's, uh, it's something else. It's been transformative for me, and so today I wanted us to look at the Jesus prayer, and it's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, these 10 words, and some of you are already praying it. Let me see some of you that have been kind of moving into the water of praying this, I want to encourage you, and hopefully after today, you'll be motivated to practice this prayer. And you'll see around All Saints that we value what we call arrow prayers. And simply, those are lines or short phrases from the scriptures that we pray. And it's nothing that we came up with or that the early church came up with. You can actually find Jesus himself practicing arrow prayers. Think about that. Jesus, in his life, the gospels spell it out. For example, in his temptation in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, the tempter comes to him, the enemy, and entices him and tries to lure him into misusing his authority and power. And what does Jesus respond with? Passages from Deuteronomy. And he comes with, it is written. And then he specifically counterspeaks to the tempter. And so Jesus models the idea of arrow prayers. And he would memorize huge portions of scripture, but he also had these little daggers on hand ready to fire at temptation when they came at him. And this became really popular over the next three or 400 years after the resurrection of Jesus. There's a group of people called the Desert Fathers and Mothers And they, inspired by Jesus, would read the scriptures daily, meditate on them, and come up with arrow prayers, these little arrows. And if you think about it, in Ephesians 6, 
Paul talks about the enemy firing arrows at the saints. And so this is the saints' response to temptation and to the enemy's work is we are able to fire arrows, fiery arrows of truth back at the enemy and he can't handle it. And so there is one desert father in particular, his name was John Cashin, and he popularized this. He pointed to the life of Jesus and he said, church, saints, let's practice arrow prayers. And I love this quote because the desert fathers helped popularize the arrow prayers of Jesus and some of the arrow prayers that they came up with from scripture. And this is a beautiful quote, listen to this. If you study the history of Christian spirituality, you will find that each time there is a spiritual renewal in the church, the desert fathers are present. And so friends, those of you that have heard me talk about it, these desert fathers, these people that were writing in the 300s and the 400s, they were given over to the word of God and to praying the scriptures. That really was the hallmark of the lives of the desert fathers and mothers. They loved the word of God. They were evangelical long before there was evangelicalism. They were given to the word of God, to meditating on it, to praying it, to sharing it with others. And friends, today I want us to look at the Jesus prayer. And it's known in certain circles as the supreme arrow prayer. Those 10 words that we're gonna be looking at in detail. Why is that? because this prayer right here helps us call on the wisest, most powerful, most beautiful, most merciful person who's ever lived. And so we're going to see this morning, some of you have some baggage from the background, from your background, you might say, well, this is what the Catholics do or the Eastern Orthodox Church. No, friends, this is calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, things happen. Things happen inside of you, in your heart and mind, and things happen all around you because his name is above all other names. Calling on the name of the Lord is what this is about. So what I'd like for us to do, I want to take these phrases here and I just want to briefly show you the biblical roots so that you're convinced this is a biblical prayer. It's kind of like the Apostles' Creed. You commit that to memory, and it really it's just phrases from Scripture. Well, these ten words come right out of the New Testament. And I'm going to give you some examples. I'm not going to have slides. You can have your Bible ready to work through some things and you can write these down and look at them later. But I want you to see that the Jesus prayer is rooted in the word of God and it helps you and I pray the word of God. The first phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, in John 20, 28, Thomas, the doubter, says, I am not going to believe that Jesus is raised from the dead until I can touch his side and his pierced hands. And Christ graciously appears to him with the other disciples, and Thomas's response in John 20, 28 is, my Lord and my God. And so when we pray the Jesus prayer, we're echoing that, my Lord, my God. Paul in Acts 28, 31, we're going to get to this in a few weeks, talks about the Apostle Paul going around proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that phrase, 
the Lord Jesus Christ is found in Acts 28, 31. And then a passage that we're familiar with that Esther preached on some time ago is found in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. I'm going to read this. And again, we're listening for the biblical basis, the biblical roots of the Jesus prayer. Philippians 2, 9 to 11 says this. Therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So saints, when we say that first line, Lord Jesus Christ, we're saying what the apostles said. We're saying, we're kind of even looking forward into the future when every created being will bow before Christ and say he's Lord. And so we're practicing it. Every time we pray the Jesus prayer, we're calling on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the next phrase there, son of God. In Luke 1, 31 to 35, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read it. You can go back and look at it. We'll be reading it in the coming weeks. But in Luke 1, 31 through 35, Gabriel appears to Mary and says that you will bear a son and name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign forever And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And he will be called son of God. So again, we're saying Lord Jesus Christ, son of God. And then that last phrase there, have mercy on me. In Luke 18, there's a picture of two people, two men. One of them, very prideful, very arrogant, lacking humility. A Pharisee, Jesus teaches, says, In his prayer, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like the other people. I fast and I tithe and I do all these things to please you. And Jesus says, that's not how it works. (laughs) That is not the model you want to follow. Here is the model that you follow. And he talks about a tax collector, someone who was not on good terms with the Jewish people because he was coming and taking their money and Jesus says this tax collector prays like this. He would not even look up to heaven. He was beating his breast and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went to his home justified rather than the other. And so this is where that phrase comes from, Luke 18, 9 to 14. And then there's another instance in Luke 18, 35 to 43 Jesus is walking into a town, and there's a blind man on the road. And the blind man shouts out loud. People are trying to quiet him. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus hears him, and he goes over and heals him and restores his sight. So, friends, when we pray the Jesus prayer, these ten words, we are praying phrases straight from the scriptures. Isn't it beautiful? And I will tell you from experience... I like to read the scriptures daily and try to come up with an arrow prayer, but sometimes the day gets crazy, and I, for the life of me, cannot remember what I read that morning. 
but I always have these 10 words with me. So if you will commit this to memory, you will always have this arrow in your quiver throughout the day. Amen? And again, this is not theory or theology with Brock. I'm trying to give you something that works, that will change your thought life, that will deliver you from evil and temptation and some of the other things we're going to look at. I'm telling you, this prayer saves me daily. The Lord Jesus calling out to him, calling for his mercy. Now, some people will add at the end of the phrase, have mercy on me, a sinner, based on the text we just looked at in Luke 18. And that is not in the original Jesus prayer. When you go back to like 350, when the Jesus prayer began to show up in different Christian writings, the phrase a sinner was not there. People later added that on. And let me just ask you, would you be uncomfortable praying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner? What do you think? Would that make you uncomfortable? When I first started praying this prayer, it made me a little bit uncomfortable because it felt like I was kind of wallowing a little bit. But in recent years, I've actually added it at certain times. Why? Because I'm a sinner. <laughs> and I'm acutely aware of it. And so especially in the car, when I'm praying the Jesus prayer, I add a sinner because I'm a sinner in the car and I need salvation and deliverance. So it's up to you. These are the 10 original words that the desert fathers and mothers would have prayed. The people living out in the deserts of Egypt who were fleeing from the empires. It was crumbling and falling and they were seeking the Lord in prayer and meditation on the Bible. I would also say this. This prayer right here is not pleading with Jesus. It's not, I've got to somehow get his attention and twist his arm because he's stingy with his mercy. No, this prayer right here puts you under the waterfall of his mercy. The prophets say that Jesus, that the Lord's mercy is new every morning. So in Christ, his mercy is new for you and me every morning. Every day there's new mercy. So we're not begging, we're not pleading, we're just putting ourselves under that waterfall. So when you pray this, you're not saying, Lord, please pay attention to me, please give me mercy, because I get mercy once a week. No, 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 no. It is an ocean of mercy waiting for you and I to get into. A second thing, now that we've seen, are you convinced that the Jesus prayer is rooted in scripture, that it's actually bringing together and weaving together phrases from the Bible, a second thing. First Thessalonians 5.17, why don't you look at it? I wanna look at this because it's super important and it's another reason that this prayer came about. How are we doing? Doing all right? Again, I'm sharing something that I hope you'll pray during Advent and beyond. That you'll try. I want to challenge you if this feels a little bit too whatever it is, liturgical or Catholic or rote, I want to challenge you to pray it. No matter where you are in life, try praying it. Try calling out to the name of the Lord Jesus and see what he does in your heart and in mind. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, a very busy Paul 
We're seeing him on all of these different missionary journeys all through Europe. He's moving into different parts of Asia Minor. And look what he says to a bunch of new believers in the town of Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. What's your Bible say? should say three words there. Pray without ceasing. And I'm like, Paul, are you kidding? I can't do anything without ceasing except maybe worry or mull over my issues that I've got. What's the text say? Pray without ceasing. So this is not only a a command, it's a promise. Did you know if it's there in the word, then it means it's possible. Do you think Paul means that you're literally going to sit around and mutter prayers 24 hours a day? That's not what he's getting at. He's getting at a disposition, a posture, a mindset of being connected with the Lord in prayer at all times. Let me ask you, do you think that's possible? Is it realistic? Somebody's got it. Friends, it's here. It's in the New Testament. It's an injunction. It's a command, but it's a promise as well. It means, as Paul was saying to these new Christians, fresh out of pagan temples and prostitution and all kinds of wild stuff, he's saying, church, you can pray without ceasing. You can be in communion with the Lord Jesus throughout your day. It's possible. And again, some of these folks were just a few months old in the Lord. So friends, this prayer that we're focused on can help you pray without ceasing. If you will commit this to memory and give yourself to it in the coming weeks and the coming months, early Christians found that the Jesus prayer helped them pray without ceasing. And it's much more than a technique or a method, right? Some people ask me, is this kind of like a mantra like the Buddhists have or the Hindus? And I say, absolutely not. They, they, Hindus and Buddhists and others use mantras to clear the mind and to enter into kind of nothingness. And the opposite is true of Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. You're getting filled with him and with his spirit and with His mercy is not a mantra. It's not something that you mindlessly say, but you are interacting with a living person just by calling his name, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. And some of you, you'll find some of the teachers of the Jesus prayer say that it begins on the lips. So you begin by saying it, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And what it begins to do is almost take root in your heart and begins to pray for you. And then you find yourself thinking about the name of Jesus through the day. Interesting, isn't it? So I want to lay some things out for you. Again, I've been practicing this for about a decade, but really intensively, I'd say the last two and a half years, because I need the Lord's mercy like never before. And friends, it is incredibly life-giving. So it's not something routine or robotic. It's not a mantra. It's communing with a living person. Colossians 1.27 says it's Christ in you who's the hope of glory. 
And so, friends, through this prayer, we're, we're not even like reaching out in desperation. There's a turning inward. It's Christ in you that you're communing with through the day. One guy that I love reading, he was writing in Eastern Europe a couple hundred years ago. His name's Theophon, and he wrote this. The hands at work, the mind and heart with God. The hands at work and the mind and heart with God. Some of you have read Brother Lawrence, another monastic person, and he talked about practicing the presence of God. That is precisely what the Jesus prayer helps you do. Practice the presence of the Lord throughout the day. And there's two ways of doing this. One is you can sit in your quiet time while you're reading scripture. You can weave this in. And so there's kind of a formal or scheduled time. And I've been practicing this as I'm reading the Bible. This morning I was reading Psalm 99, which interestingly enough talks about the name of the Lord. And so while I was reading that, I would say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me as I read the word. And so I'm praying the scripture, I'm looking at, I'm meditating, and I'm weaving in the Jesus prayer multiple times. But then there's a, along with a scheduled or formal use of it, a free use where you would do it throughout the day. And I remember Scott Duncan sharing some time ago, pre-COVID, he was talking about all of his work at his office, crunching numbers, meeting with clients, and because he has practiced the Jesus prayer in the midst of all of his busyness interacting with people, he would be praying with his mouth and in his heart, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. So friends, this is a beautiful way to commune with Jesus throughout the day. And I would challenge you to think of a single situation where calling on the name of Jesus wouldn't help you. Can you think of one? I can't. I think calling on his name when I'm dealing with what they call the eight passions. It became later the seven deadly sins. Gluttony, lust, love of money, anger, despair, all of these things. Calling on the name of Jesus can rescue us from all those things. So what is it you're dealing with most? As you face the week and you think of the things that are knocking on your door, that are clawing at you, I call them termites. What termites are trying to eat up your house? Why don't you take the torch of the Jesus prayer and thrust it right in the midst of that? You got a lion prowling around. Why don't you say, Lord Jesus Christ, turn from that lion, turn to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me and see what happens. Those termites come to gnaw on you, anxiety, lust, whatever it is, and you bring the torch of his name and say, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. Friends, things happen. On that note, a third thing here. The Jesus prayer unites praise and petition. And so what I want you to see is I've read other people. They've helped open my eyes to this. It's kind of like the Lord's prayer here. There's a whole lot in these ten words. And the Lord's prayer has many layers to it, doesn't it? So does the Jesus prayer. And so those who've given themselves to years of meditation on the name of Jesus say that it brings together praise. It starts with praise. 
Isn't that right? So by saying, Lord Jesus Christ, you're acknowledging, just like we were in worship this morning, he's Lord. He is Lord. And it draws you into the experience and the power of his name. Now, this kind of goes past us a little bit, but in the Old Testament, a name was a big deal. You know that, right? So especially the name of God. So in Exodus 3, when Moses is there and the Lord tells him to take his sandals off, and then he reveals his name to him, at least one aspect of it. And he tells him, I am the great I am. I am who I am. And then we find other places in the Old Testament, Jacob wrestling with the angel, the messenger in Genesis 32, and he's like, tell me your name. Tell me your, I must know your name. And the messenger says, you can't know my name. There's mystery around that. And so we see in the Old Testament, you see it carry over into the New Testament, great reverence for the name of God. Well, friends, that applies to the Lord Jesus. So when you're praying, Lord Jesus Christ, his presence comes. Whether you realize it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you feel it or not, to call on his name, just as the Old Testament saints called on the name of God, the Lord shows up. And sometimes it's invisibly and you're not able to detect it, but things happen when we call on the name of the Lord. Amen? You remember what Peter said back in Acts 2, 21. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what happens? They will be saved. So friends, tomorrow when you get up and the termites are coming or the lion is prowling around, you call on the name of the Lord and what happens? You'll be saved. You'll be delivered from that. Now the Lord may let you stay in that fire a little longer than you would want because he's making warriors out of you. But you keep calling on his name. Cling to him through his name. And assuredly, the word of God says he will deliver you. Just look at the names of Jesus in this. He's Lord Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. And the Christian creeds show us that he is the second person of the Holy Trinity. So when you call on him, you're calling on the God-man, Christ Jesus. He's fully human, but he's fully God. You're calling on the second person of the Holy Trinity, his name. What's his name mean? Jesus means salvation or God saves. So even calling on his name, Lord Jesus, you're declaring that he saves so the first two lines of this declare praise of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the third line moves to what? Petition. You see it there. Have mercy on me. And again, we're not begging, we're not pleading, but it's a way of reminding ourselves of his power and his majesty and our weakness. And I need regular reminder of that. Anybody else? Just throughout the day, you are powerful, you're glorious, you have what I need, and I need you desperately. I'm dependent on your mercy. The fourth thing here, before we have some folks come up and say it in their languages, obviously, the Jesus prayer is Christ-centered, isn't it? Did you know it's also Trinitarian? 
And again, I'm just trying to peel back some of the layers so that as you enter into this, practicing it, you realize that you can give yourself to this for a lifetime. There is a whole lot here in these 10 words. It's clearly focused on Jesus, the Son of God, the mediator between God and human beings. But that second line, we'll put it back up there, Son of God, what does that automatically reference? The Father, right? So by praying the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, you're acknowledging the presence of the Father. There is no Son without the Father. So we're looking at the uncreated Son of God, begotten of the Father. And I find, as I pray this oftentimes, that his sonship makes mine possible. So even as I'm praying it, I'm realizing I am a son of God only by nature of the relationship between the father and son. You're a son, you're a daughter, because his sonship has paved the way to enlarge the family of God. Where do you see the Holy Spirit? So we've obviously got the son, we've got the father present in these ten words. Where do you see the presence of the Holy Spirit to make this a truly Trinitarian prayer. Have mercy on me. And even before that, how about Christ? What does Christ mean? Anointed. Anointed by who? By the Holy Spirit. So the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. You're saying, Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the promised Messiah, anointed by the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Spirit lingers here. And then Jay just said, have mercy on me. Romans 5.5 5 says that God pours out his Holy Spirit and brings his love and mercy to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. He pours out the Spirit into our hearts. So there's no mercy without the active, ongoing, daily presence of the Holy Spirit. It's a Trinitarian prayer. Lastly here. The Jesus prayer is prayed in the context of a church, a faith community. And yes, it is true that I'm encouraging you to practice two things. One, to pray this prayer in your time with the Lord, weave it in with your scripture reading, and throughout the day to practice it individually, right? But I want you to think about this. This is a communal prayer. You're in the family of God. You're a daughter of the king. You're a son of the king. And so we can pray this prayer together and alone as the body of Christ. This is an expression of faith as well, isn't it? To say, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, is an expression of faith. Now that doesn't mean, and I've been very candid about this, that you have to be 100% filled with faith. Did you know you could pray a prayer like this and that it could coexist with doubt? Just let that sink in for a moment. I do it every day, all day. I'm filled with skepticism and doubt and brokenness, and I don't know why the Lord's allowed that to be the case with me. I look at friends who have the faith of a child, and I'm a little bit envious. Why can't I just believe without any effort, and the Lord says, well, this is your path to walk on. And so, friends, I want to be open with you. I pray this prayer sometimes when I'm dealing with the most doubt. 
and I'm wrestling with the demons that I've got to wrestle with around this. And the Lord has saved me time and time again, including this morning before church by saying the Jesus prayer. So you can pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, even if you're barely hanging on. Is that beautiful? And one of my favorite verses in the Gospels, Mark 9, 24, someone addresses Jesus and says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so I would oftentimes use that arrow prayer along with the Jesus prayer. And I would say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Deepen my faith. Take my roots deeper. But friends, faith can coexist with doubt. The Lord can handle any questions that we've got for him. And so from personal experience, I'm sharing this with you, that in my desperation, my temptation, my doubt, all of that stuff, the Jesus prayer works for all of it. So I want you to think this week, as stuff hits you, and I know it hits you in the face, just like it does me, I'm not exempt from any of it, lust comes at you, try the Jesus prayer. Images, thoughts in your mind that maybe you've let in there from the past, turn to the Lord, turn away from whatever that is, and turn to him, because that's the whole purpose of the prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And I tell you, if you practice that daily, weekly, monthly, the power of those images and things that you've exposed yourself to in the past will go away, or it will lose its power and grip on you. Addiction, I mean, I could go on and on. I cannot think of a single situation where the Jesus prayer is not like a flaming sword right into the midst of it. And the Lord brings deliverance and salvation. But friends, it's work. Anybody that tells you otherwise, you know, pray the Jesus prayer for 30 days and you'll walk in sinlessness. No. Run the other way. That is not the way it is. I want to encourage you to think about fighting the battle of faith until you die. And you young people, you need to hear this. I've talked with some of you individually. Walking with Jesus is not easy. It's the most glorious, wonderful thing that you can give yourself to, but when you hit dryness and you hit depression and you hit doubt, cling to him and do it every day and string that together for many years and many decades until you die, because that is when the battle's over, when you die. Older saints, would you agree? I mean, I've looked for another way. Is there another way where I can kind of circumvent and find the easy way without deep struggle? I can't find it. Anybody found it here? Maybe you can pray for us afterwards. It is a battle that we're in. It's an absolute battle. Now, you might get reprieve at times. It's not depressing because the truth is whether you're with Jesus or without him, you're in battle. Do you hear me on that? If you are not walking with Jesus today, you still have a big target on you. And you can't take it off. The enemy wants to destroy your life and you either get to suffer with Jesus or without Jesus. And so what I'm encouraging you to do is lean in to Jesus and suffer with him and draw mercy and power from his presence because it's the only way through 
life as we know it. Amen? Hope that's not depressing. That's meant to be encouraging. It's realistic, is it not, saints? It's realistic to think about dryness and suffering and hardship and these things and then the joy that comes through the name of Jesus and through clinging to him. And then what happens is, as it moves from your mouth, it begins to take root in the heart and it becomes a prayer of the heart. And so that's what I want to invite you into. Months of practicing this. Years of practicing it. It can even come to you in the night. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, it's like the termites are there. 3 a.m. Ready to eat. And in the night, I'm like, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Sometimes Amanda will say, are you okay, honey? You're talking. I'm like, yes, I'm praying the Jesus prayer. See you in the morning. So friends, I want you to Think about giving yourself to this. His name is higher than all names. He's full of infinite mercy waiting to take you under the waterfall of his mercy. So, Lord, we thank you for your name. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that your name causes demons to tremble And your name transforms our minds and our hearts. So help us as a church to cling to you through these ten words. And why don't we do this before I ask folks to come up. Why don't we just say it together. I'm going to say each line and let's say it together. And here's another thing you can do. You can say, have mercy on us. Or you can even insert someone's name in there. Say you're in some intercession for someone. Put them under the waterfall of the Lord's mercy. So why don't we say us. So Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Why don't those people that I asked to come up, we can come up. And I thought it would be kind of beautiful to hear the Jesus prayer, these ten words in some different languages. Come on up here. I think we've got a half dozen people. And why don't we have each person can say your first name, say the language you're going to speak in, and then how about saying it twice? How's that sound? And if we've got some other languages represented in here, I'd love to have you come up and say the ten words. Uh, my name is Blake. Uh, this will be in French. Seigneur Jésus Christ, Fils de Dieu, aie pitié de nous. Seigneur Jésus Christ, Fils de Dieu, aie pitié de nous. Hi, rich Spanish. Seigneur Jésus Christ, Hijo de Dios. Ten misericordia de mí. Señor Jesucristo, Hijo de Dios, ten misericordia de mí. My name is Mark. It's in Chinese. Ju Yesu, Sandita Erdze, Kalian Wopa. Ju Yesu, Sandita Erdze, Kalian Wopa. My name is Philippe. And I'll be praying it in Portuguese. Senhor Jesus Cristo, Filho de Deus, 
tem misericórdia de mim. Senhor Jesus Cristo, Filho de Deus, tem misericórdia de mim. Hi, my name is Dennis. I'm going to say in Italian. Signore, Gesù Cristo, Figlio di Dio, abbi pietà di me. Signore, Gesù Cristo, Figlio di Dio, abbi pietà di me. Josef, in Albanian. Zot Jesus Christ, biri per nis, kim shir per mua. Zot Jesus Christ, biri per nis, kim shir per mua. My name is Christian, I'm going to pray in German. Herr Jesus Christus, du Sohn Gottes, erbarme dich meiner. Herr Jesus Christus, du Sohn Gottes, erbarme dich meiner. I'm going to add one to it. I'm going to do Greek. My name is Brock. This is Greek. Kyrie Jesu Christe, ia tu theo eleison me. Kyrie Jesu Christe, ia tu theo eleison me. Lord, we love your name. We're right at uh, 12 o'clock. Man, that's rich. Anybody else enjoy that? Hearing other people all over the world calling on the name of Jesus. He's Lord.